I'm Chris. And I'm Andrew, and welcome to episode four of Video Games Cover to Cover. So I'm going to start off by saying I didn't make a ton of story progress this week. Neither did I. Actually, that's one thing I immediately noticed is, relatively speaking, chapter two seems to be fairly light on the story compared to the first chapter. Yeah, I'm getting that impression. It's a lot of just like side quests, and maybe that's because... Remember in the last episode you said that you you were concerned that there was only one hot spot that was really showing up and at the time that was I think it was Guado Salam. Yeah, it was. Well, it seems like you might be right on that aspect that there isn't a whole lot of story because all I've done at this point is side quests and I I have to tell you in the interest of transparency, I had to have Andrew come over and do one of the side quests for me because I was I, I just could not do it. But we'll get to that uh, shortly. First, let's start with our usual. So, Chris, did anything live up to your expectations this time around? Well, the brother stuff has settled down because I haven't encountered him at all, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, admittedly, <laughs> we haven't done the story stuff, and he, he there's a fairly decent chance he may show up then. But so far in Chapter 2, he's been relatively minimal, thankfully. Oh, yes, that that has been fantastic. Anything else? Jeez, I'm trying to think. I, that's part of the problem is because it was just side stuff. I I don't think it really lived up to any of my ex- expectations. Um, so, I'll, I'll tell you where I got was right in the middle of the Makalania stuff. So it's yeah. chapter two. And, and if you're following the same guide that we are, uh, we have a discord server now. Uh, if you if you don't know already and in that server, I, I'm going to pin exactly what user guides uh, we're using. And if you're following along with us from that perspective, we're at Chapter 2 and Makalania. It, which is right around, I think, 34% done, which is the other thing, is that Chapter 2 is not near contributing nearly as much to the actual completion as Chapter 1 did. I, I actually looked a little farther ahead and i think chapter two is only up to 37 percent. i think it hits 40 uh, i don't remember exactly though because we don't have it right up right in front of us but yeah it considering chapter one was up to i think 27 percent. this is definitely smaller the one thing i was kind of happy to see was we were right on the whole sid thing he is definitely questioning his life choices which is good, yeah, because I'm glad that they are pushing it in that direction and not having him basically just keep doing what he was doing. You run into him in the Thunder Plains, and he's basically having a crisis of conscience and doesn't want to talk to you, but it definitely implies he's probably going to be changing things as the game goes on. And it also implies that Riku is not happy with him at all because Yuna wants to talk to him, and, and Riku's essentially, leave him be. Yeah. I don't want to see him at all. Let him sulk. Yeah. I think that was an interesting dynamic that, I mean, it's not that Yuna wasn't upset, because she definitely was when you run into him in Chapter 1, but Riku is far more upset than Yuna is, and I find that interesting. That she clearly has very high standards for her father that she's mad that he didn't live up to. I like that about Riku, actually. Like, I think that's a good bit of her personality that you don't really see otherwise. Honestly, at this point, Riku is becoming by far my favorite character. Certainly. She is just so bubbly and, and just everything that she does, I'm like, that is just great. In the Thunder Plains, there's this part that we'll, we'll talk about a little later, but when Yuna is 
uh, doing her part in the Thunder Plains. Riku is just like chilling out, exercising in the background. Yeah, she's just like doing running laps in the background. It, she's it's just like great. jogging around, doing whatever. Also, now that I'm thinking about it, I remember in when when Yuna was talking to Lulu on Besaid Island, Riku was just like chilling out in the background, walking around, looking at different things, like just just exploring and just being generally an awesome person. She's really animated in general. And that even goes to, I remember noticing back in chapter one, when you have to talk to Micha, the old art, uh, historian guy. I can't Mecklen. think of his What was that? I think it's Mecklen. Okay. But when you're talking to him, basically every time during this really long cutscene of him talking, basically every time it cuts back, Riku's in a different position. Like she's just, she's a fidgeter. I like that they actually animated that in her. It just shows, it says a lot about her personality without her ever actually even having to say anything. And it's something that I really identify with. Yeah, me too, really, to some extent. I mean, I'm not, I'm definitely the kind of person who has a lot of trouble sitting still and I'm constantly fidgeting around when I'm doing something. I I was diagnosed with ADHD as as a child. I have an abundance of energy all the time that I am constantly exploding all over the place. Plus, you know, Riku, as we established previously, is, what, 17? So she's right at that age where she's just got tons of energy. Yeah. And she uses it to stay fit. (laughs) She is in the background getting her exercise on, and it's just great. Meanwhile, Pain is off sulking somewhere, and and Riku's just like, I gotta gotta get my, my exercise in, my cardio for the day. We haven't run around and we haven't attacked enough monsters because Chris has been stuck on this stupid section for a thousand years and he wants to yell <laughs> at the top of a map. What were your expectations, Andrew? <laughs> Did any of those get met? So I will tell you one thing I definitely was not expecting is that chapter two, at least so far, appears to be the minigame chapter. I have to be honest, it's been kind of disappointing I don't even hate all of them, but my opinion on mini games in a lot of games is they're okay in moderation, and sometimes they can be kind of a fun diversion. I just don't like getting so many of them in such a short time. And generally, they're not as good as the game I'm actually here to play, because that's the game I actually paid money for and want. I wouldn't even be upset with the mini games, except for the fact that in order to do 100% in this game, and the reason why we're specifically trying to 100% it is not because we want to be, you know, 100% complete of any game that we play. It's in order to experience the entire game, aka the story, because it actually changes whether you get 100% or not. And the reason why I'm more disappointed with the mini games and the fact that they're so heavy, specifically in Chapter 2, at least from my perspective so far is because I feel like I can't move on until I, I I meet the requirements to get my percentage. Yeah, because since there is a certain minimum amount in most of these minigames you have to achieve, and unlike a lot of these sorts of games, you can't just necessarily come back later because when you finish the chapter, everything in that chapter is basically, oh, it just didn't happen and you move on. And since these things have repercussions in later chapters, you basically have to do it all or do as much as you need to, to get the, the progress or it's gone forever. And I agree. I am not, that's as far as the way the game is structured. I like, I don't mind 
having it be so freeform and go to all these different places, but I really am not a fan of everything. Oh, it's gone. Every, just give give it all up. The whole chapter, nothing, you can't do any of this anymore. Yeah, because in, at least in, in the original game, 10... In order to get a hundred percent completion, you had to do all of the, uh, all of those. Not that ten story was impacted by the hundred percent completion or not. It was just one of those, you know, trophy or brag type situations. You you could go back and do any of those mini games anytime you wanted. And in fact, when we replayed the sec or when I replayed ten, I actually finally got the. 200 lightning bolt thing in thunder planes because and, i was just so determined that i was going to get it because lulu is one of my favorite characters in this game and i always thought it was an injustice that i was able to attain everyone else's super weapons. super ultimate. We- yeah, yeah ultimate weapons but hers yeah i have to give you a lot of respect for that because i have never once been able to come anywhere remotely close to that so the fact that you achieve that is pretty remarkable what was even more upsetting is that i got to around 150 or 148 something and just made a stupid mistake so i had to restart so in reality <laughs> i probably would have like literally cried at that point <laughs> i was mad but i was still determined because once again like i said lulu is one of my favorite characters and i'm like this is for her i love lulu <laughs> I have to get this. She needs it. She needs Onion Knight in order to be at her best. We're talking, we got to get her into peak condition. Exactly. You know, I got to get my swole on and attack as many of these creatures as I possibly can. And in order to do that, I have to get this Onion Knight for her. Oh, I also went back. I did double check. The triple magic thing that we were talking about where you thought that it was intent, it's definitely not. Oh, okay. Well, I, I, I went back and, and when you move the right stick over, whereas in this one, it makes you select all the enemies. All it did was make your fire attack select your party, to which I thought was really dumb. But then I remembered that reflect only reflects once. So that was a way to attack a, there are several bosses. I think Seymour was one of them where he casted reflect on himself. But because of the game's mechanics, it only reflects the spell one time, no matter how many reflect spells have been cast. So if you cast reflect on somebody, Lulu could then attack them with the spell and it would reflect to him. Yeah, that's, so, a, that's a pretty common uh, Final Fantasy trick. They've done they've had that mechanic for a while, and it is one of those things that feels pretty good when you understand that little nuance of how the system works. Yeah, and it's like, okay, so I can finally, I can use one of my OP characters because Lulu being able to do Fire Aga or Blizzaga or any Aga spell over and over and over is just the best. Yeah. And and that's what I'm experiencing now with Yuna because I also have all the Aga spells for her already. And it was the, which boss was I recently fighting? It was a boss in Chapter 2. There haven't really been very many of those. Yeah, but we we fought once. Oh, geez. What was it? The Chocobo Eater? Yes, the Chocobo Eater. I won. Well, not one hit because I had Riku and and Pain attack him too. But I had Yuna switch to her mage, 
cast Fire Aga, and it did 1,800 damage, and it was dead. <laughs> like, thanks. I will say, maybe it's just me, but it definitely feels like enemies are... I don't know if I want to say weaker, but it feels like the numbers are lower in 10 2 than they were in 10. And maybe it's just because it's been so long since I was so early in 10, but I just feel like it's it escalated more quickly than it has here. I, I would agree with that, but I also think that's because when you when I think of 10 2, I think I go to Xanarkin and it's gonna the difficulty is gonna be massive. But it's really not because the difficulty increase with the chapter not that the areas as a whole yeah and honestly jumping from chapter one to chapter two i mean maybe the enemies are a little harder and i feel like i do get a little more experience but it really hasn't changed very much it hasn't but what i did notice and what i kind of enjoyed is there was like level up to versions of the monsters yes occasionally you would run into a more powerful version of one of the monsters that was in the area and uh, so, so looking at the Thunder Plains, the lizard thing that you fight, there's like a blue electric awesome looking one that is way bigger than the other one that will show up. Yeah, and I definitely noticed um, in Makalania, which I know you ha- wouldn't have seen yet since you just got there, but I had a similar experience there where I ran into uh, a monster that for the first time I was absolutely unable to just attack through it. Like... That's not to say I always just do attack or whatever, but it's the first time I've run into one where that absolutely has not been an option. Really? Yes. Because in Makalania, there was this Atomoise gel thing, and even the Tonberries from... Uh, well, yeah, okay, the Tonberries. Tonberries kind of an exception, though, because they're traditionally always the... Just run away. <laughs> in Chapter 1 in Makalania, did you not run into the gel? No, I just ran into it for the first time in Chapter 2, so I guess that must be the thing you're talking about. <laughs> the thing that was like a boss in 10, right? Yes. Yeah. That's a normal monster, and it was in Chapter 1, and I kept running into it and kept getting a party wipe. Yeah, I I ran into it for the first time in Chapter 2, and I was like, oh, this thing must be new. So I guess I just got really lucky in Chapter 1. After the first time it wiped my party, I immediately just es- I escaped every t- single time I got to it. When Now that I'm here and I have Aga spells, I'm definitely going to give it another shot. But in Chapter 1, that thing absolutely annihilated Oh, yeah. Like, next time I run into it, I will try to fight it for real. But at first, I just kind of mashed attack like I have been for a lot of the random encounters because they don't really require a lot of strategy because we're overleveled. And I was hitting for, like, single-digit numbers even at the point I'm at. There was this thing. Well, that's because you have to use five. That's because you have to use elements. Oh, no, no. I know. I was just... That's by far the only time I've actually run into something, because even other things you're supposed to use elements on, I still did substantially more damage than that. Yeah. I, I think the flaws just work differently in this game. Yes, because they definitely barely took any damage in the first game, unless you had, like, Arn's armor break or something. Did, did you run into the shell shocker? What's that look like? Because that sounds vaguely familiar. A giant snail with a mouth and a huge shell on the back of it. What area? moon flow then no yeah that thing was also a beast i've apparently run into all the big bads we to be fair you've also just spent a lot more time just grinding than i have yeah but that was only but that was only in chapter two yeah no i at least if it was in chapter one i never ran into it there so far i mean i've run into some things that have been kind of a challenge like i talked about my 
encounter with the red elemental on mushroom rock that gave me some problems in chapter one but that was just that was just an oversold version though yeah but i mean so far for the most part i've had a fairly easy time getting through and I definitely haven't had any times where I specifically went out of my way to grind or anything. Now, I did get some grinding in, having to run back and forth across certain areas to try to complete the missions and stuff. But I never specifically sat down and just went, I am just grinding, not accomplishing anything else. So do you want to start talking about some of these mini games? Yep, that seems like the most logical. Let's. Uh, so let, well, I was going to say, let's start with the first one. The yeah. first one, the, immediately the first thing I ran into was going back to Besaid. Yes. There wasn't a video or anything. Did you actually go into town and see if you could check on um, Waka and Lulu? Yeah. Well, plus I had to go back for the PR stuff. I went back for the PR stuff, but I totally forgot to check in on them. I, oh, man, I feel real bad now. <laughs> Lulu's going to be upset with me. I know. She'll she'll find out you were in town and be like, I can't believe no, you. No, I by. need to check in with Lulu every time. Oh, man. Well, now you have that that's number one on your list of things to do when we're when next time you play. I'm going to forget. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so the first thing you do is you talk to the Aurochs and I'm sitting there going, oh, cool. The Aurochs again. Awesome. And then this massive jerk shows up. Who's from the youth league, I believe. And is just completely dogging on summoners. Like uh, summoners are completely useless now. Um, I don't understand why... You you would even consider summoners still anything. You can't summon anything, so you're obviously worthless. I will say that is probably maybe not the only, but one of the few times so far when Yuna's gotten angry about something that I was like, yes, absolutely, good job. Most of the time, either she doesn't react when I feel like she should, or she gets overly upset about something that I didn't really think was a big deal. But here she got really defensive, and I was like, absolutely, this guy's a jerk and totally deserves that. Yeah, but in Yuna's defense, you also didn't think it was a big deal that she was jealous of Lynn when she totally deserved to be jealous. Yeah, that's fair. She definitely. Yeah, I mean, if I, I was her, I would have been jealousy rage monster. Like, bro, I gave you so much of my life, and you just. Throw me aside for this Len girl? What is so great about Len? I haven't even met this Len. Then she meets Len and she's like, oh, dude, I totally get it. She's awesome. <laughs> she's so cool. I can't believe this. She's constantly selling out dance concerts. Len is great. <laughs> I want to date Len. <laughs> if she hadn't gotten mad, I would have absolutely flipped out. Because that really ticked me off. Yeah, there, there was absolutely no reason for that. And, like, the entire reason the world is the way it is is because of Yuna. And you're just right to her face telling her that she's worthless. And summoners in general, not only Yuna's dad, but other summoners gave up their lives so this dude could have a happy childhood for 10 years at a time. Bro, you're going to sit there and say that all summoners are just useless now because there are no more Aeons? Dude, you suck. On, on some level, I wonder how much of that was that he's a jerk and how much of it is he was intentionally trying to rile her up because that's kind of what the coach slash platoon leader, like that sort of position, I guess, stereotypically does. But either way, it was entirely unnecessary and terrible, and it doesn't make him a better person if he was 
trying to make her mad on purpose, it probably makes him worse. He doesn't even know. She hasn't officially joined the Youth League yet. Well, I mean, she kind of did because giving that, the sphere back, she even when you go see them later in Mushroom Mock, they're like, "Oh, so you finally actually decided to join?" Like she still hasn't joined yet. Yeah, she's that's not true. a part of any of the meetings. She's talked news exactly one time, minus the other time that nobody knows about because it's in that cave that nobody goes to, but us. <laughs> She she's definitely point. not a member yet. So he's basically just being a huge dick for no reason at all. I didn't mean in the sense that she was a youth league member. I just meant in the sense that because he's there to basically drill sergeant the Rx, if that was just basically drill sergeant mode. It's like I said, it's oh, still not acceptable, okay. but that was how I was looking at that. Maybe that section but after you actually do the mini game, which I actually did have some problems with only because I didn't, I didn't really understand it at first. I didn't have a good, I didn't really have a great understanding of the controls. Yeah, I mean, so, that's partially my fault. I mean, 100% my fault. Well, so I guess to talk about the actual mini game at this point. So you're running across the island and fighting monsters and getting points for doing it. But everything is completely... It is in no way connected to how you do all the other fights. Everything is... You walk Yuna around... is shooting them with a gun. Okay, which I mean, oh, granted, okay, she does that in regular fights too, but it's more like... It's almost Not more like Yuna. A... <laughs> okay, I don't, well, she did. Gunner's completely ignored. I do not use Gunner at all. I maxed out Gunner for her, but that uh, like I don't have any intention of going back to it. No way. And honestly... That reminds me of something that I I will talk about very shortly, but we'll get through this minigame first. But you actually like push a button to lock on, and then you push a different button to fire, and there's no you know actual battle transition or anything, and there's no turns. It feels like combat in a completely different game, like a Resident Evil or something, if Resident Evil had lock on. And except the combat isn't super fast. Yes. And it just seems very clunky. It is very clunky because you can mash the button... And she doesn't shoot anywhere near as fast as you mash the button, and that's really weird because in this style, that's the natural tendency of what you want to do. Yeah, because even if you mash the button, you still have to wait for her to actually shoot animation. And then occasionally she has to reload, and I counted, it's after every five shots. Yeah. But there's not even specifically it's, a reload. They mentioned that in the tutorial if you did that. No, I know. They, they, did, they mentioned it, but like... There's not actually like a reload animation or anything. It's just, oh, she has to stop shooting for a second. And it's kind of jarring because you would expect there to be a reload. So if it wasn't for the fact that, oh, yeah, I guess I shot five times. It's just a cooldown period. Like you could have done an animation for a reload. Yeah, it it just everything about it feels strange and kind of tacked on compared to given the production values and how impressed I've been overall with how well they've like included this new content and things like that. It felt very unpolished compared to most of the stuff we've done. But then after you beat it, the guy is still a phenomenal jerk because after you beat his high score, he just continues to say, Oh, well, you're just lucky. You know, you could have done better. What he's just, I wasn't even paying attention. I think it's something along just like, you're just a dick. I think it's something along the lines of, well, I guess summoners aren't completely useless after all. In that, like, really sarcastic, barely conceding anything sort of way. So I think his personality, because the Aurochs aren't even there at that point. That's true. Yeah, you're it's right. It's so just, just them. He's just being a dick. 
Yeah. Just I, to be a dick. I will say, though, I do find it kind of funny that they establish that he's just been making the Rx run this exact same obstacle course over and over again. <laughs> yeah. Because they're all like, oh, we'll never beat a score or whatever. And and it's pretty wild that that's like the the level that nobody can get to. Because each time you beat it, you unlock another level with another prize. And some of those scores get absolutely insane compared to the first one. Oh, I thought you were supposed to just be able to max out and get max points on the first one. No, because the newer ones are harder and like there are mo- different monsters with more points and stuff to make it so you actually could get the better scores. I was so angry that I wasn't able to get like 1500 points. No. No, I think if theoretically, if you did actually beat that score, I think you still get the prize, but I'm not sure. But I know there are, there are in the higher level courses, more monsters show up and harder monsters that are worth more points show up. And you get volleys. Right. Because I was so angry that I wasn't getting any. Yeah, because volley shot, <laughs> for context, the, the volley shot that he's referring to clears, instantly kills everything on the screen. Yeah. And it, it, it's explained to you in the tutorial, but then yeah, none of them drop at all in level one. That explains everything. Because I was so annoyed. I'm like, this is impossible. Yeah, no. There's no way I'm ever going to get 28 points doing this. This is literally impossible. It's not fast. It's slow. There's never any monsters. This sucks. That explains everything. Yeah, I I went up through like level three before I decided I was done. You only have to get through the first one to get the 100%. But I I went up to about level, I think level three, and there was definitely a noticeable increase in the number of monsters coming through and stuff. So getting the points really wasn't a challenge. The bigger challenge was just not actually getting eaten. I am going to have to do those then because... I, de- I kind of want to go back. I actually started to enjoy the minigame. At first, I, I but that was just because I didn't know how to play. I, I was kind of having a bad time with it. But, I mean, that's the same thing with anything, right? Right. And with the, the, the game itself, I was having a bad time initially because I got used to it. Yeah, that's There's true. a minigame later that no matter how much I played it, I will infinitely hate it forever. I mean, yeah, I, I will agree that I definitely, once I got a little more comfortable with it, I started to really enjoy it. I mean, I may not really enjoy it, but found it all right. Which, yeah, the other mini game that is brand new this time, I absolutely will never enjoy, no matter what. Um, but meanwhile, the one mini game that we really have been wanting to come back still isn't there because it's still the Blitzball offseason. All I want from a mini game perspective is to play... Blitzball again. I want it so bad. I want my Blitzball. I love Blitzball. And from what I understand, it's not the same, but Blitzball still holds a special place in my heart, and it always will. Yeah, as I recall, it's very different, but I also don't think it opens up until the last chapter. What did you think about that interview? Wait, what?! Yeah, I don't think actual. I don't think the Blitzball season actually starts till chapter five. But I'm it's been a while, and I don't remember. But I feel like I remember being like being convinced that Blitzball actually wasn't in the game, and then it eventually shows up. I'm done with this game. <laughs> it's time to it's time to wrap it up. Okay, well, this will be the final episode of video games cover to cover. Thank you for joining us. I uh, next up will be playing Blitzball exclusively on Final Fantasy X. 
So look forward to from that now on, the camp- in the coming weeks. From now on, every episode is just going to be Chris discussing Blitzball tactics forever. I can. If you'd like me to start into it, I can tell you that brother also sucks in Blitzball. He's terrible. Yeah, we can save that for when we actually get to Blitzball. And then yeah, well, we can her. save that for actual brother because he sucks. Yes, he does. What did you think of that interview? Oh, the one in Luca? Yeah. I had to think about what you were talking about for a second. That was interesting. Um, Probably the most interesting part about it was uh, seeing Chalinda come back because I remember her as the like really meek person who just walks around and they referenced that, but having her of all people be the reporter is definitely not how I thought where how I thought she would wind up. Well, it's also funny because she mentioned that yeah, I, one of my biggest problems that I really wanted to work on before is never being able to tell anybody no. And then I showed up on Luca and they asked me to be a reporter, so I was like, yeah, sure. Yeah, and then Payne's like, so you still didn't say no. <laughs> oh, I guess you're right. Having said that, of all the things to just stumble into, just, oh, I walked up and they decided I should be a reporter. I mean, that's pretty fantastic. Well, we don't know. Maybe reporters are, like, treated very poorly in this in this universe. I guess that's possible that... Really, she's the first sign of a reporter at all we've ever seen in either game. Like, that concept of having news, we never really had that before. But I will say, of the people that we've re-met, minus, you know, Yuna and Riku, she seems to be doing the best. Yeah. And I'm including Lulu in that. Yeah, no, I was really happy to see that she's the first character... Because Lulu is stuck with Waka. (laughs) She's the first, like, returning NPC who I felt like actually is doing better now than she was in the first game. I have to take that back, Andrew. Waka's doing better than anyone else. Because <laughs> he got Lulu. <laughs> yes. He has clearly won Final Fantasy 2. <laughs> he is the champion. But uh, of the side characters, I definitely agree with you. She is, by honestly, a far march in doing better than anyone else. To her credit, even though she was like, yeah, I guess I did kind of say it. She seems like she actually really enjoys it, so that doesn't matter. Like, at the end of the day, she's ha- she's found something she's happy with. Exactly. It doesn't matter that she didn't say no. It matters that she's happy doing it. I mean, th- that goes with anything. She's working, but she actually enjoys her job. That's awesome. Yeah, like, that's the goal that we all wish we could achieve, right? And now, granted, we only saw that one interview, but... She doesn't seem half bad at it either. Oh, yeah. She seems like she's doing pretty good. You know what I really liked is when she specifically called Yuna the leader. And then everybody shows up and shoves their way in. I didn't like that Brother was there because that's going to be a broken record that's going to keep happening because I hate (laughs) Brother. And and I don't know if his my hatred for him is ever going to overshadow Waka. But if anyone can pull it off, it's Brother. (laughs) If anyone can pull it off. If Brother starts becoming a massive racist later on in this game, maybe I'll start hating him just plot, as much. Plot twist, Brother is the secret villain of the se- of the game the entire time. He definitely is the villain. He <laughs> is a villain. Given that we don't really have a villain so far, he's the closest thing we he's have to He's the true-to-life villain. Yeah. He's the creepy stalker true-to-life villain. Yeah, because... But I did like that, like, Shinra showed up and Buddy showed up, and they're like, well, let me talk about my thing, and Shinra's like... I am surprised he didn't immediately go, I know know everything. everything. (laughs) Ask me all of the questions, Shalanda. I am the best. Or wait, what's her name? I don't. Shalinda, I think? Shalinda, Shalinda. I know all. Shalinda, 
ask me the questions. So where does fears come from? Well, I don't know that. Anyway, I know everything about dragons. <laughs> Ooh, dragons. <laughs> Are there even dragons in Spira? <laughs> I don't know. Those lizard things might be true. Well, I mean, yeah, they do kind of spit up fire and stuff. He starts bringing up like Harry Potter. He's like, listen, (laughs) there are wizards and they use wands and they use special spells and they attack each other with it. Like, it's great. Like, oh, so a black mage? No, no, not like a black mage. These are different because these people have like technology we could never dream of but they still throw wands at each other (laughs) yeah but they don't know about the technology because they just use magic to solve all their problems so again like black mages (laughs) (sighs) you're not understanding you you just don't get it i want shinra of all the characters of all the side characters i actually want him to have more of it because he just seems he's a little kid and he's just so confident and sure of himself I actually would love, obviously, you know, not Harry Potter or whatever, but I actually would really love to see him, like, have a hobby and be so enthusiastic about it and just do some, like, little kid stuff while still being the super smart scientist guy because I feel like that would just make him endearing. You find out that anime is in this world and he's, like, an otaku. That's why he's been trying to collect the spheres the whole time. He's looking for anime recordings. He's looking for manga. He's looking for anime. He's like, yes! He's not even really an Albed. He learned Albed so he could read their comics. Yes. That, that's what I, that, that, I definitely want that from Shinra. That would be my favorite. I feel, I feel like he, he needs that. Well, I don't say he needs that, but I think with other characters that might be annoying, but with him, that would actually make him more fun. Exactly. And, and if we get like stalker vibes from other people. Not to name any names. <laughs> I, I'm going to try and not bring him up so much. I just hate him. It's so hard uh, when, when I'm talking about people I legitimately enjoy and want them to be fleshed out as long as they didn't make him like pompous. He, he's allowed to be confident and allowed to be sure of himself. And I was even annoyed about that when I first saw him is I know everything. Well, like he is still kind of pompous. It's just because he's a little kid, it reminds you more of like Dexter from Dexter's lab yes. rather than. Oh, if he was Dexter basically is Dexter. Yeah. And so like. It's kind of a charming thing rather than a, I hate this guy. Did he? If he was constantly yelling at brother for being an idiot. Riku, get out of my laboratory. Oh, Riku can be, well. She does have a similar, like, bubbly personality and a lot of energy. She is (laughs) Didi. She definitely is. You know what I really wanted as a kid? I wanted there to be, like, a teenage version of Dexter's Lab. I think they actually did that in one of the movies. Wait, like, there was a Dexter's Lab movie? Yeah, there was. It was like Mandark doing some time travel thing, which is why I think Teenage Dexter came out. <gasps> I need to rethink my whole life. <laughs> That's what I did. I, oh, anyway, 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 I digress. Yes. So let's let's talk about the mini game that we're, we've been. No, dreading. no, 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 no. Oh, okay. Not yet. Don't don't do this to me yet. First, okay. I'd like to talk about the Chocobo Eater. Okay. Yeah, that was one of the few bits of like actual plot we got. I was not expecting to see the Chocobo Eater so early. Yeah, I know. I remember you mentioned in chapter one, you saw the little baby and like, it'll come back near the end of the game. But yeah, the very next chapter, I was pretty surprised by that too. Apparently those things grow up. Did that thing like binge Chocobo bodies? And they even meant, maybe that's why they said that there hasn't been any Chocobos because that thing's just been binging on them since chapter one. Or we could have fought the parent of the one that we saw in chapter one. 
that's possible. But again, then it just grows up super fast. Unless... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, never mind. I, in Chapter 1, for some reason, I was thinking you meant Final Fantasy 1. No, 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 no. I meant that the little one that we saw that ran away, we could have fought its parent this time. Oh, and then we could come back. Oh, speculation time. Then another Chocobo with, like, super armor and spikes all over his back because he's going through his teenage years. And he's got, like, a, an awesome <laughs> mohawk going on. And he, he just shows up. And he's like, Chocobo. And he's just, he's, I'm a human eater. And for some reason, he learned how to talk. I don't think they could talk before, but he had like a giant mouth and a tongue and everything. So he can definitely talk now. He's he's like half the size of the other one. This is around chapter four, I'm thinking. I don't think we're going to get into this in chapter five, because I think chapter five is probably going to okay. ramp up the story a bunch. But chapter four, Mohawk teenage chocobo eater is like... One of Clasco's problems, because apparently Clasco finally gets his day, which... Yeah, because okay. <laughs> going back to that, <laughs> I will say real quick, though, maybe defeating that guy is how you get that card sphere you've been wanting. Yes! Oh, the super... And he... Oh, the Chocobo Eater rides in on a motorcycle, and you have to fight him as full throttle pain, and there's this motorcycle race battle in the Comlands in Chapter 4... You need to stop just because whatever you're describing is going to be way cooler than whatever we're going to actually get. This is get. the game I need. It may not be the game I deserve, but this is the game that I need. <laughs> but, so, yeah. The Chocobo Eater, uh, we run into yet another returning character who was a girl who was on... Was she on the high road in the first game, too? I don't even... Re I'll be honest. This is one of the few characters I do did not remember from the first game. I don't remember where Callie was because I... She was a little girl when we met her the first time. And it's weird because since they don't really have like any sort of mid range, she goes. She went from being literally like a child to looking like a full grown adult in two years. No, she looked like a teenager. Oh, she to did. Me. I thought she was like a kid. Kid. No, she was very small. If you if you look at her on the ship, she is like a. F it looks like she's about a foot smaller than Clasco, and Clasco was already really short. Okay, that's fair. Because Yuna, Yuna's taller than Clasco is. I just meant in terms of like her model, because there's like no middle ground model. So she no, she looked she looked very thin and like lanky. It looked she de to me she seemed like teenage. Okay, well good for them then. I, More so than uh, Riku does. Well, yeah, Riku definitely looks. I mean, she looks older than she did in the first game, but yeah, she definitely looks like an adult now. But anyway, so Callie wants to ride a chocobo, and so you you get this mission to go ride a chocobo or to go catch a chocobo for her, and. I will admit, I found that pretty fun just because of the fact that it kind of reminded me of <laughs> the old, like, Wile E. Coyote cartoons where the Roadrunner kept outsmarting him because I felt like Wile E. Coyote because it just kept beating you. What I found, I felt so bad for Riku because essentially you had to ignore all of her instructions in order to actually catch the thing. So Riku runs over off to a dead end and she's like, oh, it's in there. I got it this time. And she's okay, wrong sure. every single time. And then you get the chocobo, and that's how you get each one of the items. I have to be honest, Andrew, I did that first part at least 10, maybe 15 times. I thought I didn't do all of it fast enough because the instructions clearly says, follow Riku's thing to occasionally get an item. I did it. Riku was like, hey, here, go in this thing. The first time I got the item, every subsequent time I didn't get the item, 
and because I had to retry the section over and over, I didn't think the items carried over. So what I was doing was I thought I wasn't making it fast enough. And I thought that no matter what, I had to redo that section over and over and over and over again. Oh my goodness. So I did the first section like 10 or 15 times thinking, why does this chocobo always get away? What am I doing wrong? When instead it's literally just Riku apparently has absolutely no idea what she's looking for. (laughs) Exactly. She's like, I know what the chocobo looks like because I just saw it. It's definitely over here. Riku, that's a bush. (laughs) It it's hiding behind the bush, I swear. I, I saw it. Go in the bush. Riku, come on now. <laughs> There's nothing no. here but more bush. And then and then we go f- up up the road a little bit. It's over there. Riku, that is a building. <laughs> that That's an actual building. And then she climbs on top of the building. And then she falls off <laughs> and, and lands on her butt. Riku has a pretty bad day in, in terms of that mission. What what What's interesting, if you go north instead of south... She doesn't land on her butt. She just she just lands and then keeps going. Did you do it multiple times to find that out? Yes, because I went north because I was confused by the directions. And then I didn't know if seeing her specifically wipe out was a part of the 100%. So I went back and did it again. Ow. Including that entire... Getting all the items thing. Getting all of the items and feather thing again, because like an idiot, I didn't go back and save. So I thought that that was part of the 100%, so I went back and did it all over again. Ouch. But I thought that was, I thought that was so cool that I'm like, wait a minute, she didn't land on her butt this time. So if basically what the game is sort of saying there is, if Yuna screws up, Riku has a better day. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm cool with that. I like Riku better anyway. It is kind of a bad day for Riku, though, for sure. That whole mission. Yeah. Because she can't she can't seem to do any of it right, and that's a shame. It was a bad day. Honestly, in my opinion, that mission was a bad day for everybody. It's true, because like, yeah, no, no matter what you do, the Chocobo keeps getting away from you. So you, you beat the, the mission, and you fight the Chocobo Eater... And you immediately, you are walking back towards the agency and everything. And Clasco finally gets his, oh, I'm a hero moment. Which, where did all those Chocobo with armor come from? Weren't those, I mean, those are the ones from the first game, but I don't know where Clasco got them. Yeah, where did Clasco get them? Because there was nobody else with him. And where did he even get off the airship? Where they Did he, he just like, off, jump off the side? So he apparently got off the airship, armored up some Chocobo that nobody has seen in years... And then went to fight a chocobo eater. So clearly he's got a knack for, like, catching chocobos or something. Clearly he's got a knack for being an idiot because he took chocobos into a battle with a chocobo eater. Yeah, with a thing that is specifically designed to eat chocobos. That has a mouth the size of, it doesn't matter what the chocobo has on, I can eat it. <laughs> I like that description of your of the size of the mouth, by the way. It did. The whole thing was basically one giant mouth. It really was. Like, its entire torso was just mouth. And then you the, the mission ends, and you get back on the ship immediately, and you leave. And I'm thinking, oh, yes, no more Clasco. I don't have to deal with Clasco anymore. This is fantastic. I'm like, oh, wait, but Callie, let me go back, and let me see how Callie's doing. 
And then I realized why they had you do Meehan in the opposite direction, because now the road is closed, presumably because they need to clean up a gigantic dead body. Yeah, because of the, the Chocobo Eater kind of making a mess of everything. Except in this universe, when when something dies, the monsters just seem to kind of fade away. Yeah, but I think it, it smashed up some stuff trying to get to her and stuff, if I remember right. Maybe. But that's the other thing, is people don't fade away until a summoning happened. So... Are we just leaving monster corpses everywhere and the game's just like, eh, just mm, for battle purposes, it's gone. <laughs> I mean, that's possible. So we just have, we're just leaving a ton of corpses in our wake. Oh, and that Machina thing? Where was you? <laughs> yeah, I thought that exact same thing as you were running past. There's this one that you're like, yeah, this thing's there and it's designed so it'll jump down whenever there's a danger and it'll fight it. And you run right past it and it's just like still standing there doing its thing. And I'm there like, way to go, buddy. There was a them at the bottom of the hill doing nothing. <laughs> way to go, buddy. Bro, what are you doing? I get that it's a giant thing, but you're a machine. You shouldn't care. You're literally programmed to protect people. And Clasco had to like do deus ex machina some freaking... Chocobos with armor to come in to fight the one thing that they're weak against. (laughs) Um, So then you go back and you talk to Callie and you're like, hey, Callie, what is up? Did you enjoy yourself? Did you have a good time? She's like, yes, let's go. Wait, what? You and Clasco are getting on the ship? Awesome. Clasco's back. (laughs) But on the other hand, we do have a Chocobo now and that's pretty cool. Yeah, but it doesn't even have armor. Well, it's not even as cool. What happened to the other two Chocobo? Did they get eaten? <laughs> Probably. Glasgow's like, wow, I'm bad at my job. I should really reconsider this. Yet another thing I'm bad at. They're super fast, but this thing has long arms and a big enough mouth to swallow them whole. And like I said, that's basically like the only actual plot uh, that we got to this entire time. Well, we, we got short be- pieces of, of plot where like when you see news again... Apparently, there's this subplot where Payne, like, knows everybody, specifically famous people. Yeah, so we kind of touched on it before in the whatever episode where you met the Albed leader, because he recognizes Payne and seems to have a history with her. And then it comes up again with Nuge, where he he also has a history with Payne that Payne specifically doesn't want to talk about. And admittedly, it was kind of a funny scene where... Riku is trying to get her to talk about it and then gets kind of uh, petulant and like, oh, I really wanted to know. Oh, yeah. The you're at 47 respect points. Oh, that's not very many. And then she's bent over later going, but I like you said, I really want I still kind of really want to know about that thing. And then Payne's immediately like, that's 46 now. That's so great. What my question immediately is, well, what are your respect points for Yuna? What are your Yuna respect points? I, that's a number. That is a secret metric of this game that I want to know. <laughs> yeah, like our respect points an actual thing because I'm kind of invested in this now. <laughs> Pain has this secret respect point system and Riku's only got 40, 46 now. But how many does Yuna have? For all we know, 46 is really high. There's no me- measure of it. And how do you get more? Yeah. Like, what does the number go to? Is the maximum 100 respect points? Because honestly, 50% respect isn't great, but it's not a bad number. Yeah. I I don't think there's ever been a person in my life that I respected 50% and thought, wow, this person sucks. (laughs) Like, yeah, there's a lot of people that is like, oh, yeah, I respect you. But like, there's parts of you that I don't care for. Yeah, 50%. I still like you as a person. Yeah. 
and that's pain. Everyone <laughs> is at 50%. Her her metric is at, goes to 100, but no one has, has slated past 50. And, uh, so now now I'm expecting we're going to get into things and you're going to have a conversation and we're just going to get that little telltale message. Pain will remember that. <laughs> Before telltale. Telltale was playing Final Fantasy X and they were like, oh, yes. That's a great idea. Pain is my favorite character and that is a great idea. <laughs> Gradually lose respect for Riku over the time, which honestly makes me like Riku even more. If she can get on the pensive person's uh, under their skin, because that's exactly what I would do. If if I was on the first campaign with Aaron, the whole time I would just be like, "Why do you never use your arm unless we're fighting something big? What's going on with your arm? Just needle him. Your constantly. arm has a lot of blue streaks on it. What's going on with that? Did you cut your arm? Are you dead? What's happening, Aaron? <laughs> what what's in your thing? Is that alcohol? Like, are you gonna bring some for the rest of the class, Aaron? Come on, what's happening, dude? I need to know more about your past. <laughs> this this Titus guy never shuts up about his. And how he's from Xanarkin, which is impossible. <laughs> anyway, so to continue the discussion about Nuge, <laughs> in this thing, we get another one of those mystery spheres, the, the same one that we that we got in the same location from Logos and Ormi. And this one, I think, is even more interesting, but also somehow much, much worse of a recording. Yeah. <laughs> like we were talking last time about how apparently nobody can go beyond VHS technology. We went from VHS to like Betamax. But like really early, like the very first Betamax recording that ever happened ever. Yeah. And what's really wild about that is of all the spears we found so far, it is by far the most recent recording because it apparently happened during the first game and you can barely tell anything that's happening. What I find strange is that you think that's Yuna because it it's definitely what she was wearing in the first game. There's somebody behind the camera that's running around looking for their quote unquote you guys. Yeah, you whoever you guys are. You definitely see a glimpse of Lulu because I would recognize Lulu anywhere. She's like where's Waldo for me? <laughs> where's Lulu? Oh, there's Lulu. I'm the brother of Lulu. Unfortunately, I have a problem. The first step is admitting your problem. Yeah, that's the thing. At least I can admit that I have an unhealthy obsession with Lulu. So are you saying you would t try to dig out money to find Lulu to make Lulu dance? No, because I respect her too much. I'd be like, <laughs> Lulu, if you want to dance, you go. If you don't want to dance, whatever. She can't dance at all because that dress is nothing but belts. There's no give. <laughs> You, there's there's no amount of money that you could pay Lulu to dance because she couldn't. <laughs> she literally couldn't. Now I'm imagining her on her wedding day to walk wearing that same belt dress. Please don't do this to me. I'm sorry. How dare you? <laughs> How dare you bring this up? Anyway, so. <laughs> Wait, but before we go on to anything else, when you were doing the ticket sales, did you notice the band was there? I did. I, actually, that was the other mini game that I was going to mention, which isn't really much of a mini game because you're just kind of going around talking to the right people to try to make money, but those guys get go around everywhere. Did you talk to the band? I don't recall, so probably not. I did, and one of the band members says, and I quote, your flying Machina gave us quite a shake. I fear we may never play our, or we can't play our song anymore. Dude, everybody was having a great time on that ship, and apparently... They were having the biggest existential crisis the entire time that they can't play music anymore. 
We destroyed the lives of these band members that brother just picked up because he wanted to see Yuna dance. <laughs> Who are like some kind of forest spirits or whatever, as was established in the first game. So we just we, brother they, just stole them from their home so they could play music for Yuna to dance. These like Im, these like immortal fairy creatures, and we've scarred <laughs> them for life, and they can't sing anymore. Yeah, what? <laughs> We're the bad guys the whole time. Oh, he is the secret villain. He definitely is the secret villain. <laughs> I felt so bad for those guys. I was like, whoa, wait, what? Do you know what is up with Yuna saying duck soup occasionally when a battle is over? No, um, because the only duck soup I can ever think of is a Marx Brothers movie, and that cannot possibly be what she's referencing, so I don't know. I mean, you've heard that, right? I'm not the only one. And have you also noticed occasionally they left the Japanese audio in? Yes! Yeah, there are definitely lines that come up where it is absolutely the original Japanese that they just never translated or missed or something. And I'm just like, Oh, there's a lot of just weird stuff at the end of their battles. It's only ever the, yeah, the, the random battle dialogue. So it's not like you have to understand it to understand anything, but it, it definitely struck me as yet another point of strangely unpolished stuff in a game that has generally been very polished, I think. But I think part of that is just their, their timeline. I mean, they only had two years to work on the game. And from my perspective, minus some of these mini games, that is definitely like, I'm really enjoying it. I did want to look back to the pain thing real quick, just because I didn't want to forget about saying it. But the game kind of feels like it's trying to imply that, you know, she's maybe been in relationships or something, or at least that's the natural assumption. And I do want to say, I really hope that they don't do that because I kind of, I had a thought and I kind of really want to it to be that the reason she knows these guys is because they were like guardians or some other thing together at some point and not that she's just been, you know, that that she just happened to have dated both of them. Cause that's the cliche that it always seems like it goes with, with um, female characters in most media. And I really just kind of wanted to not do that. That, that would be really nice, especially, especially considering the way that guardians and summoners were portrayed because like you had mentioned in the in one of the other episodes that this is like the pinnacle of the best possible thing you could do with your life and so many of them failed at it even lulu failed one of her guardians and she had a crisis about that and there was she there there were parts of the game where it really touched on how much it affected her so if they were actually all guardians in some respect to a summoner and either something happened to the summoner that instead of the whole, well, I have a past with this guy because I dated him or whatever, it would make a lot more sense if she didn't want to talk about it. Yeah. And like I said, I just think it would be a much more interesting dynamic because yeah, that, that like guardian bond given what they're asked to do and how important that is, that feels like, you know, probably about as close as you can get to somebody without actually being related to them or, like, marrying them or something. I didn't even think of Guardian being a possibility of why she knew them until you had said something, but that makes more sense than anything else. And and the sad part about it is I really don't think that that's what it actually is, but I really want it to be what it actually is. Yeah. At this point, I'm hoping for the same thing. 
because I think that that would just make for a much more interesting thing. And the thing about pain is here we are halfway into chapter two, at least, and we still essentially know nothing about her compared to... We spent about as much time in the first game knowing nothing about Aaron either. You don't, honestly, Aaron, you don't really know his story until the very end of the game. You don't really know the truth of it, but you still know that like he, he was sent there by Jack to help Titus and things like that. We know essentially zero about pain. That That's a good point. You're You're right. The only thing that we know is that they've been traveling with her for a bit. Just a little bit longer than, than Yuna. No, she came after Yuna. Or no, you, that's right. You said she came before. I think I believe they said she joined right before Yuna. And that's all there is. And it's just interesting and it stands out because by... And now granted, we are only partway through chapter two. There's still plenty of time. But we got to know all the Guardians in the original game so well that not knowing anything about her feels really strange at this point. You, you don't even find out that Jack, but but that's the thing about Aaron. The only thing you know is that he was in Xanarkin. You don't find out that Jack sent him specifically. Well, I, no, I, I, you, you know what? You're, I'm pretty it sure wasn't until started. like chapter, it wasn't until he was traveling with you for a bit where Titus is essentially insisting, how do you know that this is what Jack wanted? And Aaron's response is essentially, well, because he asked me to do it. I thought he said that Jack sent him even back in the opening tutorial when it's just Titus and Aaron. I don't think so. I know he alluded to the fact that Jack was sin, but I don't think he specifically mentioned Jack wanted him to go to Xanarkin until... I don't think it was until Titus truly embraced the fact that sin was Jack that you really found that out. And that was a decent bit into the game. Yeah, I mean, that was like the basically big twist, like the halfway point or whatever, when you finally discover what the pilgrimage actually entails. Because it wasn't until that 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 Titus is like, well, wait, so if Sin is jacked and Sin brought me here, so how did you get here? And he was essentially like, well, jacked, and he wanted me to help you. So I, I don't think it was really, I don't know. I, I don't really know where it was in the story, but I, feel like I still feel like we knew about the same as far as Aaron's concern than what we do f for her now. Because we still, according to my percentage, I'm only 33% of the way through the game. I guess part of it is just that since she's really the only new character, even if we took a little while to get to Aaron, we were learning about all the other characters, whereas the, she's really the only one we need to learn about. So it stands out as not getting... I, I think that's part of it. Yeah, I definitely want to know more about pain. Anyway, I, I, I think we've put it off as long as we can. We have to talk about the Thunderplates. <laughs> so, there's a mini game, Three mini-games in the Thunderplanes that are all... Thing shows up, push button. In the context, you're recalibrating the towers in the Thunderplanes that they use to catch the lightning so that you don't have to do the lightning dodging like you did in the first game. And recalibrating involves inputting button prompts in various ways. There's like four, three or four variations on it that you go through that all basically tie into this. And it is absolutely the worst thing in this game so far. Like, unquestionably. I am filled with so much rage to the point where I wasn't sure if I'd be able to record today. Because I was losing my voice. Because I was yelling at the TV. 
I am notoriously bad at knowing where buttons are on controllers. I play so many games, and at this point in my life, so sparingly. When I was growing up, I was used to the Xbox controller, because that's for, for a while. I had a PlayStation first, but then I had an Xbox shortly after that. It's the first game system I actually bought with my own money. And I was so used to the Xbox controllers. And, and Andrew pointed this out to me. The X, Y, A, and B buttons are specifically reversed on the Xbox controller. And because I'm playing it on the Switch using a Pro controller, every time A would show up, I would press B and vice versa. The same way for X and Y. And the problem for me is... The way my brain was processing the information is first you have to look at the screen. You have to use your peripheral vision to find where the circle is that actually has the button you need to press, which is sometimes the circle is always white. Sometimes it's on Yuna, which has a white background, so it's harder to see. Sometimes like pain is closer to the screen and it's harder to see. My peripheral vision is first finding it, then my eyes go to it, focus on what it is, translating that into which button it should actually be on the controller, and then actually press the button, all within a short reaction time. At first, it's not so fast, and it's not bad, but the speed quickly ramps up. And I'm thinking that on the original and there are other games that have actually had this problem when they do the remaster. The PlayStation and the the, the Switch, in, the, in my case, but the remastered version in general, is running on better hardware and faster hardware. So they timed all of these button presses. And for me, this is just a theory because I don't know how fast it was on the original PS2. But at the time, they programmed all of these things specifically to be possible on the ps2 they move forward and do the remaster and a lot of times little mini games like that get overlooked because they're more focused on the actual game so from that perspective a lot of times what will happen is because of the newer hardware and because things are running faster and more efficient those button presses suddenly become almost physically impossible the one with pain where the buttons would fly down the screen. There were three that you had to choose from. Halfway down the screen, it would select which one it was, and then you would have to press it. Near the end, it got so fast, I, I just, I physically and mentally could not process the information fast enough. My reaction time is just not there. It's, it's not possible for me. No matter how many times I tried it, and I tried it for hours. And this is the one that I was saying that I actually had to have Andrew come over and help me with because I was in such a rage when when this was going on. And that's why I didn't get any farther. I didn't get Pat. I didn't. I just got to Makalania because basically right before we recorded, Andrew beat that section for me. If we're doing the 100 percent thing, I don't want to move on until I do it because that matters so much. The order that things happen in this game. And the back half ones, I have no idea how any human could actually do that. Yeah, so there are 10 of these towers, and you have to complete at least five of them, and each one gets a little bit harder than the last one. 
and by the end, it is essentially impossible. I was able to get through. I was play, I'm playing on the PlayStation. I was able to get through. I think six or seven of them, and then I just completely gave up and realized it was not even worth remotely attempting. And some of those took me so many tries. And that's already, you know, I have controller layouts pretty well memorized and stuff. I don't know why that just registers in my head, and I, so I know where the buttons are. But part of it is just that it's such a long mini game in the sense that you have to do 30 correct inputs and you only get three tries. If you mess up three times, it's completely over and you can get to like 20, 25, 27. Meanwhile, it gets getting a little bit harder over time each time. So by the end of that section, it's very difficult. And like, like to the point where you basically have to hit it as soon as the button shows up or it'll disappear and it's gone. And it's just genuinely such a frustrating experience compared to every other mini game I can at least look at and go, I can see how someone would think this is fun. Even if it's not for me, I have no idea who would, who would enjoy this game, this mini game. Maybe people who super love guitar hero, because that's really the only game that I can think of either that or those like rhythm button pressing games, which I think is why you're really good at them because you like those games and i yes. tend to not like them at all but, but i will say i do really enjoy rhythm games and i absolutely hated this well and, and this wasn't any sort of rhythm it was just random riku's wouldn't be difficult if the thing was in the same place all the time if, if i didn't have to process where the stupid instruction for what you're supposed to press is i would be able to do it just like pains for some reason they had to have each one the only thing there was one thing that i thought was kind of stupid other than the whole mini game itself was the fact that yuna is just shooting at her her things every single one of them she's just firing a gun at them to recalibrate somehow riku's attacking it and pain is swinging her gigantic sword at it so we're basically destroying these things to recalibrate them. Which I'm sure is a side effect if that was just the animations they had, but once again, it's just a matter of trying to just use the stock animations for this looks extremely weird. And it's just, that that part is just dumb, and it's almost as if maybe they should have just never included it in the game in the first place. Yeah. Because it seems like it's only there to just be difficult. You, you get a ribbon out of it, which I understand is one of the best items in the game, only overshadowed by apparently the super ribbon. And I get that you shouldn't be able to just get a ribbon, but you don't get a ribbon for doing this. You get it later in chapter five if you completed all those calibrations. And it's not even just the speed and stuff, because like, for example, uh, Riku's last one requires you to hit multiple buttons at the same time suddenly, which it has never asked you to do before. And as you keep going, it keeps adding more and more buttons to the controller because when you start, it's just like the two, the four action buttons, and then it adds the arrows, and then eventually it starts adding like L1 and R1 and stuff. And then you have to start hitting multiple buttons at the same time. And then the last one, Yuna's last one, you have to push all the buttons backwards. So you not only have to process what all the buttons are, but then you have to do the calculation in your head to reverse the order and press it in the short amount of time that you have near the end where it gets to 30 with only three mistakes. And you said that you had an issue finding the last one. And I only found it because you told me exactly where it was at. 
Yeah, the the last tower isn't even on the regular map with the rest of them. It's on the side. It's on an island that you can't ever get to. That you just basically have to run along the the shore and mash the button until you get it. And I I actually saw it right away. I was like, hey, that is a tower. How do you get to it? How do you get to that tower? I, oh, I didn't well, you just for, go yeah. to the beach and hit the button until you until she shoots at it. Yeah, and I didn't even see it. I actually ran up and down the entire map like three times trying to find the last tower. Now, again, slightly to the game's credit, you only have to actually finish five of the ten, but you have to try them all, and even getting five of the ten is much, much harder than it should be. For me, I don't have the reaction time to be able to do that. And, and it just... It's not so much that I was upset with the game. I was just more upset. I mean, I was upset with the game for making me do it. But at the same time, I was so unbelievably angry with myself that I'm not able to just press a button fast enough. And I can't remember where the buttons are. And I'm like, it's just so unbelievably frustrating. It's also just, it's not something that we really that really has any business being in the game. Because... I may be the exception here, but I don't think I am. Action RPGs like Diablo aside, most people, I don't think, are playing RPGs trying to get the quick reflex thing. That's part of the appeal of RPGs is they're slower and more cerebral. Throwing this in here that requires you to do have these really quick reflexes fits a lot more into like a first-person shooter or a platformer or something and just feels completely inappropriate for the genre of game we're playing here. I can't even tell you how angry I was. When Andrew came over to the house to do the recording today, I was in the middle of attempting this again after giving up last night. I realized right after I had finished one that I didn't unlock the door. So I ran over and just perfect timing. I unlock the door, hear him walking up, and I fling the door open. And all I hear is, dude, are you okay? Is something wrong? And I run back in there and and attempt to try it again and just explode with a mountain of anger. If I was actually a Saiyan. (laughs) That would have been the moment that you discovered you were a Saiyan. That would have been the moment I would have gone super Saiyan. Well, now that we've got that out of the way and I somehow managed to not blow out the mic screaming about (laughs) that stupid (laughs) minigame that I'm definitely going to yell about the second we're off mic. We didn't really get into much story, but what are your predictions going forward in the hopes that we get into more story-heavy elements now that we're nearing the end of chapter two? Well, I mean, yeah, we for sure will because we've been putting off Guadalajara and where the actual plot is. Plus, there's now a hot spot in the Calmlands that wasn't there before. So what's going to go on there? Um so let's see, my predictions, I, I do think we'll definitely be getting to trying to deal with the situation with LeBlanc, uh, which is definitely what's going on in Guadalajara, but we haven't found any any of these uniforms they keep talking about. The weird thing is the game kept insisting we have to have these uniforms before we can do anything. I think we're going to the syndicate to get them. I agree. That's uh, so I was going to say. It, it kept talking that we were supposed to get them before we go, but it doesn't seem like it's even possible to do that. Well, because I think we're just getting, like, goon uniforms. Yeah. I'm expecting we'll be doing that, and so we're going to see more of LeBlanc, Logos, and Ormi, and their comic relief villainy. I'm kind of hoping that maybe 
we'll get to see a little bit more about the serious side of them. Like maybe that one sphere we saw might make a little more sense now. Like we'll get to see what they're really like as opposed to just their goofy self. And by that one sphere, I'm talking about the one that we we mentioned in a previous episode of that sounded like they were talking over a bunch of dead bodies and stuff. Which sounds like they may have been there for Operation Meehan or, well, they called it Operation Zero Day or something. So yeah. maybe it was this, maybe it was their name for the same situation. I Yeah, knows? that's true because the one sphere definitely specifically says it happens in the aftermath of Operation Meehan, the one we talked about earlier that was such terrible video quality. So it's possible. What if Len were- is connected to them somehow? Interesting. What if that was the guys that she was looking for? Assuming that's even Len that was saying the where are you guys, but... Well, yeah, that's It could be LeBlanc. Oh! That was was trying to find them, if they they really were there. Maybe. And and the fact that they were off by themselves, like, doing whatever with the dead bodies, being their true selves or whatever, interesting. But I do still kind of like... I think it was you who mentioned it last time, where we had... We talked about the possibility that Logos and Army were just using LeBlanc, and they're like much more capable than they let on, and are basically just using her for her money or whatever. And if that's true, that could make some of this make sense, where she was freaking out looking for them, and they were off doing whatever evil stuff they actually are doing. I am now going to... Oh, I am going to go back, because we have a sphere of her, and we have a sphere of that. I'm going to see if they're the same voice. Immediately after this, I'm going to go watch both of those spheres to see if they're similar voices. Because that, oh, that's interesting. I, oh, this game (laughs) is becoming, and that's the thing, like, this is what I want to get to. I want to get to the story because it seems like they've actually built a interesting story around just, well, we need to go find Titus again because that's what, like, Titus is gone and we need to go find him. It seems like they've built just such this interesting story around everything that's happened after there's an actual eternal calm. Yeah, and it doesn't seem like a throwaway game, which when I originally was even looking at 10-2, that's what it seemed like. Yeah, that was kind of my concern as well, even back at the beginning, was that, like, what even is the point of this? We've saved the world. What are they going to do? And I have actually found myself really enjoying the low stakes of things, at least currently. Now, those stakes may ramp up because it, I mean, the, when you revisit New Year, or the Youth League, they definitely talk about how they were pre- preparing to possibly attack New Yevon, and I'm sure that's going to come to a head and be something they we're going to They specifically said they're preparing for war. Yeah, so clearly something's going to happen on that front, probably in the next chapter even, which means maybe we'll get to start seeing it, depending on how far into chapter three it is. But in general, I've actually kind of really enjoyed the relatively low stakes and just, you know, it's not that there's not problems, but they're not the end of the world. And that's actually a really refreshing change of pace to me. So what about you? What are you thinking? Well, now all I'm thinking about is, (laughs) is what's going on with that sphere and whether or not that, where are you guys is potentially LeBlanc looking for Lagos and, and Ormi. And that would be very, that would be a really cool subplot and, if they were somehow involved with that. And actually, it just occurred to me that might be when we first ran into them at that door that require these recordings to get into, that could be A, why they even knew that was a thing, and B, why they had one of the spheres to begin with. Are they 
connected to what's behind that door somehow. Maybe they potentially sealed it. Do you think Vagna Gun is behind that door? I mean, that's certainly possible. I'm sure it's going to come up at some point. And I mean, it's called the Den of Woe. So yeah, it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me. It, it hadn't was occurred to me. Sealed right after Meehan, because maybe that's where they found Vagna Gun, and somebody sealed it specifically because they were like, clearly Machina's not going to work, and this is the most dangerous one. I mean, so yeah, let's that's just not possible. worry about it. That's an interesting thought, and that actually is something I've wondered about the context of Vagna Gun in relation to Sin, because, yeah, that is a valid question of if this Machina is really so powerful, how come it wasn't used against Sin? Or, alternatively, was it at some point, and that's why everybody hates the Albed so much? The goons that were, the people that were attacking, were they regular soldier-looking guys, or did they have the clothes of those goons that the Syndicate uses? Which? I think they were green. In the one with, in the sphere with, the, 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 the dude, the, the Titus guy, when he gets shot or whatever. I thought they looked like uh, standard, like, Yevon uniforms, just a, but they were, I think you were right, they were a green color, but they looked like they had a similar style. Huh. So it's possible that they could, that, like, the LeBlanc uniforms could be an evolution of that. Because I will say, I thought somebody might have said that Vagnagun was in New Yevon somewhere and they were trying to control it, but... I don't know 100%, and I don't know what else could be behind this den of woe. I mean, I definitely think New Yevon knows of the existence of Vagnagon, whether or not they know where it is, because I strongly think that that is why New Yevon stopped sharing the spheres with people, was because they were concerned about information about that. I had a strong Bevel thought when I was watching the spear, because it seemed very futuristic, and the only place that's really like a big city and sort of somewhat futuristic is Bavel. Or, depending on when this was recorded, it could be the original Xanarkin. Those are like the only options. Yeah, because it could be in the ruins of Xanarkin somewhere. But I don't think, because Xanarkin may be where it originated, because Xanarkin was nothing but, but Yeah, machines. Xanarkin was very futuristic if the memories that we see in Final Fantasy X are to be believed, like Xanarkin technology was way beyond anything Sphere currently has right now. Yes, definitely. Except the Spheres apparently still sucked. <laughs> Actually, no, the Spheres are slightly better. Yeah, because the, the, the Sphere we got, where we were talking about that we think was Lena giving a concert or whatever, that recording was actually better than the ones we've seen that are much more recent. It's better than the Syndicate one. It's definitely better than the one where it's frantically, where somebody is frantically looking for you guys. Yeah, that one is just terrible by any standard. I think that's mostly just the frantic nature of the person that was filming it. But at the same time, I think it was also more, well, story level, you're not supposed to really see what's going on yet. Oh, yeah. You're not supposed to know for sure. It's very clearly implied that that's definitely Yuna and Lulu. Because, I mean,. Who who else matches that profile? I played it back for you like six times. I could, I didn't even see Lulu. You he point he pointed out. Oh, that's Lulu. I'm like I didn't even see who see a person because the recording is seriously that bad. I noticed it right away. <laughs> Notice me, senpai. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean the recording is genuinely bad enough that it's basically just a silhouette, and the the video is already very dark. Which Operation Meehan ended around nighttime, I think. They did... No. They said... I remember, because I recently played 10. 
Titus mentions he's tired because Yuna was sending people all night. Yeah, so that could be when she's doing that. And this could be may- maybe LeBlanc showing up after the the whole mission, if that really is her, or if it's Len or somebody. But I'm wondering if they were looking for Lagos and Ormi. Yeah, that would be very interesting. Because they seemed to be there. If we assume that the spheres were recorded around the same time, which originally I was under the assumption that that recording of Lagos and Ormi was actually much earlier, partially because of the bad video quality and also just because most of the spheres we've been finding have been a much earlier time period. But that one, it officially ex- explicitly establishes it is immediately after Meehan. And if we take that those were recorded around the same time, then yeah, that makes that make a lot more sense rather than some like reincarnation thing or whatever that they were just up to some no good stuff relatively recently. And I think Yuna is the only one that stayed behind after Operation Meehan to actually send well, I think she was the only summoner there, wasn't she? No, because there are other summoners. Donna was there. Oh, was And she just... I mean, I knew Seymour was there, but Seymour's terrible, so Donna was there, and she just left. Oh. As soon as as soon as soon Operation Meehan was over, because remember right before... Well, maybe you don't remember, but... No, I mean, it's been a while. I remember Operation Meehan happening, but I don't... Right before Operation Meehan, Donna is standing beside the road, and she's really mad because people won't let her through because the operation was getting ready to start. And you get let through because Seymour specifically comes by and says, yo, let her through. And so Yuna is the only summoner that's there. But the other summoners were just sitting right at the road waiting. Because the road is the only way to continue the ne- their path. Yeah, that's true. I hadn't thought about that. It's, it has been quite a while. I don't really know where this game is going right now. And I actually really like that. Because a lot of games is... You kind of have a clear direction of exactly what's happening. And again, it's early, so maybe they'll be, oh, it's definitely Titus and later on in the game. But right now I I have this sense of wonder that I'm, I'm just excited to get back to the actual main story, which is another reason why I was so frustrated that I couldn't get past that minigame. Okay, so any other predictions that you have coming up? I mean, as far as predictions are concerned, no. But there's a part that I know that's coming up very soon that I absolutely can't wait for your reaction to. <laughs> okay. I cannot wait for us to record because it's good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I would say probably as a target for the next episode, probably the end of chapter two, like getting into ch- the very beginning of chapter three. Me personally, I'm going to try to get a little bit into chapter three. I'm just thinking in terms of prediction because... It obviously it depends on how long chapter or chapter two is going forward, but I get the feeling we're getting pretty close. After all these mini games, I'm gonna hit this game hard this week because I want to get back into the story. I am chomping at the bit for more story development. So on that optimistic note, this episode our reactions our opinions were a little more negative, but that should just be a temporary bump in the water, and I am definitely looking forward to getting back to... My, my opinions are negative because of the mini games oh, I that know. just shouldn't have been there in the first place. I know. I just, I just meant the content we covered this episode was definitely not a good spot in the game, but now that we're past that, I'm expecting our opinions to go back up going forward. My opinion is still very high of the game. I still really enjoy it, despite this. There, there are plenty of games that I absolutely hate because of the game itself was kind of 
meh. But the mini games were so unbelievably difficult and so ridiculous that just didn't need to be there at all that I just can't stand the game, period. And it's a chore to play it. I can't wait to play Final Fantasy X 2 again. I, I still have an incredibly high opinion, despite being, in my recent years, probably angrier than I've ever been at an actual game. But I still love it, and I still can't wait to play more of it. Just never touching those <laughs> lightning towers ever yeah, again. If you have more of... If the rest of the game is like one of those type mini games, a chapter, my opinion of the game is definitely going to go down. But even having that bad experience, I still really like it so far. I'm still really enjoying it. Yeah, same here. And I'm definitely... I agree. I'm eager to get back to it. And actually, I probably will go play it for a little while when we're done here. I'm definitely, this is like all I'm going to do. I'm going to process the audio and play the game. I'm going to set my computer to process. And while it's taking like an hour, <laughs> I'm going to play. On that note, this is going to do it for video games cover to cover episode four. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next week. And remember, I hate Waka. Waka.